They call us, Gen Z, the digital natives. Not only have phones shaped our pinkies from holding them so much, but they've also shaped the way we view and interact with the world and ourselves. This miraculous device allows us to hold the seemingly entire world in our own hands, with everyone and their mom just being a swipe, double tap, or click away. We're connected to everyone, except for our own true selves. When was the last time you asked yourself WID? Or how's it going? Constantly bombarded by outside information, our attention is, oftentimes willingly, pulled towards everyone and everything, except towards ourselves. Oftentimes, we care more about how we're being perceived by others than how we perceive ourselves. We focus on being liked by others to see whether we can like ourselves. How many likes our booty pics get seems to show how likable we are as human beings. We swipe until our own idiosyncrasies, dreams and likes are swept away. We want what they have and they want what we have, only realizing what we actually had and how good that was once it's too late. Once we finally have what they have. We are so aware of what everyone else is doing that we are unaware of how and who we truly are and would want to be. And I'm neither saying fuck everyone, throw your phone into a bush and hibernate under a leaf for the rest of your life because Similar to everything else in life, it is about balance, like the body's much beloved homeostasis. Nor am I saying that all issues come down to our social media use or us having these gas-ass devices available to us. No. What I'm saying is that our attention, in a balanced manner, needs to be pulled back to the foundation of everything. You. Because your relationship with yourself and who you are affects not only yourself and your own world, but also others and the shared world we find to ourselves to be vibing in. And this is what No Feeling As Final is here for. You being and becoming you. Who and how you are right now and who and how you want to be. Yeah, so with that being said, my name is C. I'm the founder of No Feeling Is Final and the host of this podcast called Really Real, where we keep it, you guessed it, really real. If you felt called out by this intro, welcome to the club. As different as we may be, I did, and oftentimes still am, doing the same shit. It's hard to unlearn what you've learned seemingly the second you popped out of the womb, but you're not alone. We're all in this together. Mm, 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 mm. Anyways, <laughs> our social media feeds feed us information all day, every day. What type of information is being fed to us, however, can be in your control. Of course, algorithms can fuck shit up, but you can feed them with what they're supposed to be feeding us. So give yourself a little pat on the back and a high five for taking control and choosing to listen to this. This podcast is about real people talking about some real shit. I wanted to get on here first and share my story, what No Feeling Is Final is and why we do what we do. 
to introduce this whole situation, the incredibly goaded team NFIF and I have been chefing up for a while now, and to lay down the vibes for all the incredible future guests that have been so courageously letting me go full Curious George on them. I shall now divulge the tale of my life, which, please note, is my subjective personal experience and is not meant to generalize, feed into stereotypes, or blame anyone or anything in any way, shape, or form. To not risk triggering you, I need to let you know that I will be talking about personal experiences regarding, hold up, let me read the list, depression, anxiety, eating disorder, substance abuse, suicide, and physical health issues. <laughs> what a list, but one with a happy ending. <laughs> with that being said, that's the most small talk I can and will be engaging in, but obviously there will be more is. <laughs> As mentioned, my name is C. I'm 22 years old and I'm the founder of No Feeling Is Final. By now you've probably noticed that I have a fat accent. That's because English is my fourth language. The accent is Gucci. Just kidding. The accent is <laughs> French. Just like yours truly is. I grew up in Germany and France and moved with my family to the United States at the age of 16. Growing up in two different continents and three different countries was a very eye-opening experience. Not only did I first handedly experience the impact cultures have on your perspective and perception of yourself, others, and the entire world around you, but it also put me in a position of being just ultimately fucking confused as to who to listen to and in order to shape my identity, which is something I used to struggle with for my entire life. In Germany, I was the French girl. In France, I was the German girl. In the United States, I'm the German and French girl. While I'm extremely grateful to have been exposed to so many cultures and being able to absorb it all, I also have always felt like a misfit. An alien, not only on paper, but also in real life. So my personality is obviously a concoction of different vibes. The souls, the way I look, the way I think, the way I act, and the way I perceive myself. While I'm proud and grateful for it now, I was for the first 20 years of my life, extremely fucking confused as to who I was and seemingly seemed to not fit in anywhere. A huge theme I've uncovered in years of therapy and in my life is escapism. I love a good escape, ranging from having the urge to move across the world to seemingly finding release in substances and addictions. Growing up, I was extremely com uncomfortable with who I was, so I created a different reality in my head. An imagined reality where I was someone who was happy, who fit in, who was cool, who was loved. My brain caught on to this pattern of thinking as a survival and coping mechanism, more or less successfully carrying me through this actual life of mine that I personally deemed to be a shit show. It's safe to say that I may have been physically present, but mentally I was somewhere completely else. Somewhere, spoiler alert, across the globe. Because why water your own grass so that it can turn green when another grass seems to be already green? You know, finesse is a lifestyle. At the age of 14, my depressed self became obsessed with the idea of moving across the world to the United States and living my version of the American dream. It became my very own The Great Gatsby Greenlight. I would watch every single stereotypical high school movie, would spend lunches reading English books to escape the reality of me not having friends to spend lunches with, and spend every waking minute pretending I lived in the United States. Watching YouTube videos, forcing myself to think in English, and I remember even talking to my friends in English on the train rides to German school. Like school in Germany. 
talk about a good hyperfixation. Why did I so become so obsessed, you may ask yourself. Well, in my mind, all my problems would be solved if I finally made the reality I've always desired to be real actually become real. In my mind, this was the solution to any and all of my problems. The key to the lock that was being happy and feeling the way I've always wanted to feel. I trained my brain to deal with reality by avoiding it. Running away from it. Thinking happiness is something I can catch. Something that's chased and only available in certain ways under certain conditions. Not something that you can just allow yourself to feel. Surprise, surprise, turns out that life wasn't like the stereotypical high school movies. It's actually better now, but back then I did not know that. When I received the news that I was going to move, two years later, at the age of 16, I felt an unprecedented level of serotonin cursing through my veins. Best believe I packed my shit up in 0.2 seconds and was like, toodles! The moment I had imagined for years fi was finally here. I remember landing and thinking to myself, I better have left my depression halfway across the world. Well, no matter how much I ran away from my depression, it always chased me. And eventually, it caught me. I had convinced myself that the United States was meant for me, that I was going to fit in, that my life was going to be like the movies I had watched all day, every day. Thus, <laughs> whoa, with the vocabulary finesse. Thus, I arrived to the high school prepared to wear pink on Wednesdays and best believe I had my reaction to getting loser, we're going shopping on motherfucking lock. Not only did I barely speak English, but I also pulled up to 11th grade, which is junior year here in American high school, wearing an Abercrombie thinking I was serving and going to fit in and be cool when they'd stopped wearing that in middle school. Lunches were spent hiding along the library or at Starbucks. The reality I dreamt of was just that. A dream. I worked my ass off learning English while adjusting to a whole ass new culture and having to take the tests to get admitted to college here. I remember them whipping up their scantrons and making me take the PSAT and <laughs> me thinking that that was just simply not my definition of push and pee. <laughs> Eventually I made friends and yet I was still unsatisfied. I had it all scripted out in my head yet the script wasn't playing out in 4D. My perception of my life's very own Instagram versus reality. I persevered and made it into one of the best universities in the world and decided to join a sorority house. Because once again, this seemed like the solution to all of my problems. Sorority girls seemed to be happy, so if I'd become a sorority girl, I'd be happy too, right? And in a certain way I did. For the first time in my life, I was seen as C, not the German, French girl. I realized that people actually liked me, that I was funny. <laughs> I was a part of something. And this feeling was so dear to me that that, combined with never having known who I really was, but always having given life to people's ideas of me, led me to doing anything I could do to keep on that role. I was so lost on who I actually was that I decided to find myself in other people's identities. I was terrified of standing out. So, instead of just turning inwards and checking out what my actual identity was, and checking out what my actual identity was, I took on this identity that I thought would make me feel like I belong and fit in. I've always looked outward so I could avoid having to look inward. The way people saw me shaped the way I saw myself. The way people treated me shaped the way I treated myself. 
the others seemed happy and cool. So if I do what they do, then I should be happy too, shouldn't I? If I dress the way they dress, then I should be happy too, shouldn't I? If I act the way they act, then I should be happy too, shouldn't I? Well, not only are many people not genuinely happy, myself back then included, and therefore also furthering this negative feedback loop by doing what others think makes them happy, when it actually may not. But also, what makes me happy may not make you happy, which is the beauty of being a heterogeneous species. I went out six nights a week for two years. I drank too much, I slept too little, I didn't give a fuck about school because I thought partying would make me happy. I did all of these things thinking they would make me happy because seemingly they made others happy. In reality, they make me physically and mentally miserable. My body was trying so hard to tell me, hey, you pause, bro beans, you're wrecking yourself. But my brain was trying even harder to run away from that. My body just hates me, I told myself. Why else would I get UTI after UTI, a, a severe kidney infection, pneumonia, walking bronchitis, salmonella, perioral, perioral dermatitis. I, can, I can't even pronounce the shit. My body was trying to get me to love it back, desperately, and warning me by telling me in its own language that, babe, guzzling down nail polish remover is not a love language. To which I responded with, what the fuck are you talking about? And drink some more. I remember complaining to my German homeopath um, on the phone and she basically just was telling me, if you don't change your lifestyle, you will die. My immune system was so weak that it was about to give up on me. But instead of pausing and listening to her, I decided to speed up the what turned out to be a downward spiral by moving into a frat over the summer. This is where I experienced happiness for the first time. Looking back on it now, I realized that it was the substance-induced confidence that allowed me to be me and to realize that people like me for me, that I don't have to chase being cool in order to be cool, that what you chase runs away from you. There was so much freedom that I finally freed myself of the shackles I had submitted myself to. Those three months of absolute debauchery were, up until that point, the happiest months of my life. So when it was time to move back into my sorority, where I was confronted with rules, my old life again, and just overall reality, on top of having to be completely sober for the first time in three months, which in itself is already tough on your physiology, all routes of possible escape had dead ended. My body was like, this is my time to shine, bro. Thankfully, it lit itself up. I got a psoriasis outbreak all over my hands for the first time since I'd been a toddler and I was an anxious wreck. Thankfully, my sorority sent me home to prioritize my health. I took one week off and was like, okay, this must have been enough anxiety for the next two decades. I should be good, right? <laughs> I came back and surprise, surprise, it just got worse and worse. I was walking anxiety at this point, which also partook in my eating disorders picking back up and full swing. I seemingly couldn't control how fast my heart was beating at all times and what I was feeling, but I could control what I ate and how much of it. Not knowing that not eating only worsened the symptoms of anxiety. 
Not eating also made my bones weaker, which probably played a role in what happened next. On Halloween of sophomore year of college, I was invited to an event and blacked out a max of 15 minutes into the pre-funk. <laughs> that night, that night I fell off the top bunk of the bunk bed I was sleeping in and hit the dresser with my leg. I woke up and the first thing I felt wasn't even anxiety, that's when you know, but just straight up pain shooting from my body. I look into the mirror and just see my shoulders swollen and my entire leg also swollen up into this huge, huge bruise Bob Ross could only dream of painting. While I was in agonizing pain, I cried not because of the physical pain I was in, but the realization that I was the one who had wrecked her own body like that. I felt ashamed. Turns out, I've broken my fucking shoulder. With my broken shoulder, I couldn't run away anymore. <laughs> I stopped going out because of the pain I was in, physically and mentally. At that point, I was so down in the dumps that I didn't even have the energy to keep escaping. One of my friends, who I will forever be grateful for, pulled me into her room one day and was like, See, I don't recognize you anymore. I don't think you're supposed to be feeling that way. And this was probably the best example of where looking outward was actually a good decision because that encouraged me to go find my therapist. So I would go twice a week to therapy, bawl my eyes out for an hour straight, wipe my tears off, Uber back to class and hide in my best friend's room who is now an immensely talented content editor and creator for No Feeling Is Final. Shout out MI. Wouldn't be here without you. I wouldn't have made it through for a quarter if it weren't for her pulling me out of bed at 5pm and creating a safe space for me to just hide in her room and to wait to eat dinner with me after everyone else had already eaten because she knew how anxious it made me to sit in a huge dinner hall with dozens of people on top of struggling with food already. Ultimately, when a quarter came around and I was on winter break in Florida with my family, I was excited because subconsciously I was like, hell yeah, I get to escape again, but you can only escape for so long. I remember telling my mother that I could literally be in paradise right now, swimming with the pigs in the Bahamas, and I would be like, ah, meh, nothing, nothing brought me joy anymore. And then the big realization dawned upon me that something was really, really not okay with me. Because up until that point, I thought like, oh, it's not that bad, you know? Invalidating and minimizing my own feelings. <laughs> I was laying down in bed and I was about to doze off into sleep and I just remember thinking the only thing that would truly bring me happiness right now is not having to wake up ever again. And that's why I was like, ayo, pause, bro. As a child, I was absolutely terrified of falling asleep and never waking up again. The idea, just the idea thereof, would cause me to bawl every single night my eyes out, that was not English, but you get it. Terrified of going to sleep, knowing that there's the tiny possibility, like the tiny possibility I may never wake up again. And now here I was, terrified of the idea of having to wake up again. I noticed in that moment how subjective my fears were and my perspective on life. And to a certain extent, as awful as having these thoughts and of wanting to die are, they brought me hope because I knew I had felt differently before. I knew that that feeling wasn't final. So 
What if this feeling wasn't final either? And in that moment, a tiny, super faint seed of what if you could become happy? What if you could want to live again? Start to be planted in my head. Naturally, <laughs> I escaped from that too. So I went back to school after winter break and got told by my advisor for my major that I wouldn't be able to make it into my desired major, which was the icing on the cake. My grades weren't in any way, shape or form good enough to even be considered to be admitted to the major. Now I was not only walking anxiety, but also raging anxiety. Remember, I had the notion internalized of always needing to be a certain way in order to be a certain person. Without a college degree, I would be a failure, I thought. I wasted all of this tuition money and would never be successful in life. Never happy, never anything. All gasoline to the flame that was me not wanting to live anymore. Since my family lived close to the university I attended, I started spending a lot of time cooped up at home, hiding. And one morning, two-ish weeks into winter quarter, I told my mom, Mom, listen, I'm not gonna do anything, promise you, but I'm just letting you know that I really don't want to live anymore. Of course, this freaked my parents out. Here was their daughter, depressed as fuck, saying she didn't want to live anymore. Nicki Minaj was pounding the alarm on that one for real. They stopped in their tracks at work and decided to drive home. Not knowing what to do, they took me to the emergency room where I got immediately admitted to the hospital psych ward. I remember sitting in this gray, windowless room, staring at the signature grippy socks on my feet, scared shitless, finally having to face the truth that mentally, I wasn't necessarily the definition of health and wellness. As I didn't pose an imminent danger to myself or others, they released me eight hours later. The next day, <laughs> I went back to school. <laughs> I was sitting in 16th century French literature, analyzing Les Miserables. All I could think was, Bruh, how am I supposed to be analyzing Les Miserables when clearly I'm so miserable myself? I went home that day and my parents told me to take the rest of the quarter off to take a break and have some time to myself, which is probably one of the best and hardest things I've ever done in my life. It was uncomfortable as fuck. All I kept thinking about was how the fuck I was going to make it into my major now that I stopped attending school for a while. My dad had to go on a business trip to Australia and I thought to myself, I mean, I'm already down bad, might as well go down under. <laughs> Once again, escaping didn't work. I got back and was finally ready to turn inward. The journey to me being and becoming me had commenced. I got meds prescribed, which somewhat worked, and then went to one doctor after the other trying to figure out what was quote-unquote wrong with me. I kept going to therapy, I stopped running away, I felt 19 years of suppressed feelings, and eventually, a few months in, I started to feel better. And then I got diagnosed. ADHD. Severe ADHD. OCD, body dysmorphia, bulimia, anorexia, anxiety disorder, depression, intrusive thoughts, the list goes on and on, and I kept trying to swallow these pills to swallow the pain away. These quote-unquote illnesses that I got diagnosed with, I felt helpless. My list of diagnoses and medical records was longer than my own resume. And as time progressed and I became more and more in tune with me and who I was to myself and who I wanted to be, I had started watering the seed that was who I truly am, and it started to blossom. During my depression, I'd realized my need for creative expression again and how that is the only thing that makes my brain go quiet. So I picked up drawing again. 
once I was back to doing that without shaming myself and being insecure about it, I allowed myself to explore who I am without judging myself or comparing myself. And the floodgates opened. I rediscovered my absolute love and passion for learning and educating myself. This time being proud of being a nerd and prioritizing that over the voices of the people having bullied me for it my entire life, still echoing through my head. I channeled my determination from being determined to escape to being determined to becoming healthy, mentally and physically. I learned that I'm incredibly passionate about health, psychology, neuroscience, and reading one research study after the other, that I love growing, that this medical system targets side effects without oftentimes looking for the root cause, that I have a passion for getting to the bottom of things, that just because my brain doesn't work the way a quote-unquote normal brain works, besides the fact that there is no normal brain, doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me or that I am ill, that only you can know what's best for you, that a diagnosis is not your final destination, that you don't need to take pills for the rest of your life in order to be able to sleep. I used to think I was going to have to depend on sleeping pills for the rest of my life. And girly pop, now I'll sleep 12 hours a night without even taking a supplement. That just because your laugh was gone for over a year and so was your riz doesn't mean that one day out of the blue your butthole won't start hurting and you will remake and you will won't remix Alicia Keys This Girl is on Fire too. This butthole is on fire <laughs> And crack yourself up leading you to laugh for the first time in a fucking year. That not only you, but also your laugh will come back stronger than ever. That you can change so much that within only one year, I went from a doctor telling me that I was about to hit the sack for good, to a doctor telling me that the only people she sees as healthy and fit as me are the ones partaking in the Ironman. Girl, I don't run the Ironman. They can go from being afraid of staying alive to being afraid of not staying alive. After all the shit I went through, this realization came upon me when I was taking boric acid. Um, as many of you remember, during the pandemic there was um, boric acid going around which is supposed to perform an exorcism on your coochie. And with my evening supplements, I just accidentally mixed it in. And then when it was time to go to the bathroom to insert said pill, I realized that I had swallowed it. And then I look on the, on the pillbox and it says like, call person control immediately. And the first thought I had in that moment was, I'm too happy to die right now. That there are so many fucking things that you can do to be and become healthy that we are unaware of for a plethora of reasons. How fucking good it feels to love yourself, to appreciate yourself and to empower yourself that only you can decide who you are and who you want to be, that we have dehumanized being human, that you can learn more in a year than in eight years of school, that I spent all these years so depressed and miserable because I didn't know better. And now that I do, I have made it my purpose to support others in being and becoming their most, their most authentic, truest selves because everyone deserves to be happy, because everyone deserves to just be who they want to be, because everyone deserves to know what is best for them, 
Because being and becoming healthy should be a right, not a privilege. That no feeling is final. After one person after the other had started coming up to me, reaching out to me for mental and physical health tips, and how I so drastically and physically improved, I started thinking, I'm so privileged to have access to all of these resources, resources which many times were unfortunately still more than disappointing. And, and I'm so grateful thereof that I wanted to create something that would be all-encompassing, all-encompassing, more accessible and a safe space for you to be and become you, who you really are and who you really want to be. So I set my ass down and I started thinking, what is truly at the bottom of this all? A lack of awareness. We are unaware of what we can do. We are unaware of how powerful we are. We are unaware of how much we suffer, but don't have to. And then I started plotting. What if I could start a movement that steers your attention towards things that support you in being and becoming you? That takes initiative, that makes you aware of all the things we are unaware of, that is your partner in growth and run for you, by you. Well, you listening and or watching this right now is proof that if you become aware of what is possible, allow yourself to start asking what if and choose to turn those what ifs into reality, it will not be a wondrous what if anymore, but have become really real. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Like and subscribe. We have so many guests that will be coming on here. I'm so excited um, for you all to see the for you for you all to like listen to people's stories and just everything and anything. I'm so, truly so so grateful for everyone involved and everyone supporting. It means the world that I get to do this and and if even just one person, just one person sees the word no feeling is fine and it's like damn I, I needed to hear that or see that. That's all I could ever ever dream of. And be such an honor and a privilege. Um so I appreciate everyone because this is um this is like the scariest thing I've ever done in my life um it's like my biggest fear I'm dedicated to stepping out of my comfort zone so I appreciate the support and everyone just being and becoming involved and being and becoming more themselves it truly makes me so happy so happy and so grateful and I just wish that younger me that younger me could see me now you know that younger me could see me now and um just i don't even know bruh i don't even know <laughs> it's like a lot can like no language i think like appropriately put into words um how much this means to me and how much you even just watching this or looking at this or anything um 
means to me, and it's an honor and a privilege to be serving you. Yeah? Anyways. Yeah, baby.